Recovery Talks, a podcast from Changing Lives. Hello everyone and welcome again to the Recovery Talks podcast. My name is Andy Ryan, I'm Head of Recovery and Addiction Services for Changing Lives. This is a podcast where we get people together to share their thoughts, ideas and stories of recovery um, and what that means to them. With us on today's Recovery Talks podcast, we're talking to Damien Allen, Chief Exec of Doncaster Council, and Rupert Sucklin, the Director of Public Health for Doncaster. So, as a way of some quick introductions, Rupert, would you like to say a little bit about yourself um, and who you are? Yeah. Hi, Andy. Uh, so, I'm Rupert. I'm the Director of Public Health here in uh, Doncaster Council, and uh, we've all had um, uh, different ways into our roles. Uh, I was a hospital doctor, retrained in mental health and then uh, went into public health as I realised things weren't just about physical health, they weren't just about mental health, they were about holistic approaches and uh, that's why I've ended up in local government. Thanks Rupert, that's brilliant and thanks for joining us. Um, I can only imagine at the time of recording how busy you are at the moment so it's it's brilliant we can grab this hour just to do this recording. And Damien, um, welcome and do you want to say a bit about yourself? Yeah, hi Andy, Uh, Damien Allen, Chief Executive of the Council. Prior to that, I was the director for children's services here in the council and also the director for adult social services. I've also been an MD for health uh, and originally a teacher. Uh, so um, there's a long way between there and now, but uh, much of what we've been preoccupied with over the past two years has probably had to draw upon all of that knowledge and skills. Oh, that's fantastic. Thank you. Welcome, Damien. And, 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 and I don't say it lightly. Thank you so much for joining me today because I know um, how busy things are at the minute. And to just grab this, this brief bit of time is fantastic. And I'm really looking forward to it because I know, obviously, we know each other outside of this podcast. And I've always kind of enjoyed listening and reading some of the stuff that you post and paying attention to kind of what's developing. Um, and something close to my heart is that real kind of open minded, curious, organic development. And I see heaps of that in all that you're doing. So I'm really looking forward to the conversation today, which starts us off with this question. And, um, you know, as we spoke about, we'll see where we go with this. Um, It is called the Recovery Talks podcast, but the idea with that was really looking at that broader sense of the word recovery. And it's it's always nice to start out with a kind of understanding that when we're talking about recovery, uh, what does that what does that mean to you? I mean, are there any initial thoughts? about kind of what that means to you, either in the roles that you're in or, or the how you see that? I mean, I might um, start, Andy. I mean, I, I suppose as you might think, you know, sort of, so public health directors will often have a sort of a narrow conception of that and a much broader conception, you know, so narrowly, you know, public health directors, we've got responsibility, particularly around drug and alcohol services. So, you know, Doncaster's just over 300,000 people. We've got 3,000 people who uh, you know are using crack and opiates we've probably got you know 20 percent of the population drinking more than they should do Uh, but really on a broad level I suppose I see that uh, all of us are in recovery at some stage so it's you know the sort of three I think of three natural sort of states of of life really so order disorder and reorder and then when we're in recovery we're in that reorder phase so I you know uh, at its broadest level, it's something that we're all, I think we're all aware of and we all go through in certain phases. Well, I, th- I think they'll do, Damien. Should we end the podcast there? <laughs> that's, that's, just, that's, that's the series of Recovery Talks done, really. So, yeah. It's what Rupert said. No, <laughs> uh, 
I, I mean, I, I think it's, you know, in opening up the question a bit more broadly, Andy, I mean, uh, and so, but also look at it in the context of the last two years, because it has been all consuming and interconnected. Uh, and I would use the word intense as well. And, and intensity brings with it stress. Um, and uh, and in some ways, it, it, you know, uh, we do oscillate between incidents because that's what we describe. It's really a major incident now. The uh, tactical co uh, coordinating group for the borough uh, called that a, a couple of weeks ago with the challenges around staff abstractions and increasing hospitalizations. But but actually it's that sort of cycle of incident uh, consequence impact and, and 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 nevertheless the human dimension in that is that we all experience to varying degrees some trauma so so I you know I, I think there is I mean don't get me wrong I think some of that energizes and motivates certainly doesn't have focus your mind and I've used this phrase before there's nothing better than a problem strip bare it enables you to focus very intently the problem is of course is we live in a complex world where there are many other factors all of which uh, can compete and create challenges in terms of prioritization, both for organizations, but for individuals who are trying to sort of shift state. And that, that bit about recovery means that in some ways you, you either are trying to regain a previous state, uh, which may or may not have uh, been one that provided you with some uh, well-being and fulfillment, or, or you are trying to uh, develop into a different and new state, which in itself brings a certain amount of, uh, you know, challenge around expectations and anticipation. So I, I think understanding also that we need to sort of embrace some of that challenge. Uh, you know, we might desire a world that continues in a linear fashion, but unfortunately it tends to conflate our prior expectations and comes at us in all directions. It certainly feels more like that. Uh, and uh, hope and uh, anticipation uh, dwindle when you might have expected one thing and it seems that you've bounced back into a previous state so recovery is not linear is the other key thing and we ought to recognize that um, you know so long as the net effect is moving forward and gaining progress the journey may well be going in lots of different directions and that can be sapping at times mm. I, I, and I, I just think that's amazing the, the way you described that there uh, Damien because T taking it back to probably the origin of this podcast where we did set out I think what what triggered a group of us to start talking about recovery and in its wider sense was that idea of that that journey that that people go on but also the wider journey as well that whole families go on and then communities and then but 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 it absolutely is about that state of um that state of change and what's what's possible for people um and what's always been curious for me as well is is the the impasse and the stuckness um, that I could probably speak about from from personal experience, but actually, as difficult as the familiar was, it was known as well, and that scary prospect of, of of stepping into the different because it's not a linear process, it is very different uh, and, and a challenge. So I think absolutely um, a real good kind of framework there for for that idea between the two of you about recovery, what that means um, from its wider sense, uh, right down to that kind of individual journey as well and I, and I think there's another r in all of this which is um the capability and the qualities that you need to build to equip you for the journey is really in, in, important as well because then that mitigates against some of that oscillatory uh, effect and 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 resilience is a key quality i think you know um, and and you know control 
commitment, you know, the general capacity to affect the change in your own motivational status. These are, you know, these are sort of watchwords really uh, for me. Um, and, you know, they're also, they're also skills, I think, with support, uh, be that at an individual, be that a familial a neighborhood or indeed a wider strategic effect and, and and when we're looking at our ability to cope and manage with the very various vagaries that life is hitting uh, us with I think the, the abil ability to build in resiliency is mm. a key key ambition for us. Mm. Yeah absolutely and, and I suppose that leads us really I, I know we, we talk about the questions in the podcast but there's a there's an element in the podcast when you were talking there, Damien, I was just thinking uh, when I sat at one of the, the recent events in Doncaster, we were we were talking about kind of thriving people, places and planet, the kind of Doncaster delivering together. It really did resonate with me around, um, if I'm honest, I, I remember many, many moons ago now, thankfully many moons ago, but I remember leaving a hospital once thinking, I'm going to have to do this. I'm going to have to sort my life out. I'm going to have to change. And it really didn't occur to me that, A, that I couldn't do it on my own. Um, this wasn't going to be me deciding the world was going to be different, therefore it would be, uh, but also having those tools and that resilience and that um, that, that courage as well at times um, to reach out and, and, and do a lot of what I was doing in connection. Um, and I'm just thinking, I, I suppose I'm trying to extract from you both now, really, because some of the great work that's, that's happening in Doncaster around all of the, the strategies and the place-based work, um, do you see that level of connection and recovery and resilience? Do you see it throughout all of that? Um, in, I'd say it was patchy, if I was being honest, uh, because I think that's probably not a, a descriptor that would be alien to most places. Um, I mean, I, I think uh, the challenge for um, colleagues like Rupert and myself is how do we equip the whole place over a period of time uh, to be an active agent in affecting change rather than being the passive recipient of national government or even regional government expectations. Um, and, you know, when we were putting the borough strategy together, the Doncaster delivering together, uh, we were trying to look at what were the influences that were uh, affecting the place now and the people and the planet, but also looking at what might be required over a 10 year period, which is pretty unusual for most mm -hmm. local strategies that just tend to span a political uh, term of office uh, and a 10 year period is you know it's not quite the same as look back 10 years and think how far you've come since and then project forward although that's not a bad way of trying to look at what the scale and the challenge of the task is but what we're trying to do was also shift the thinking around those influences that impacted upon us uh, to, to put this together away from the usual linear managerial speak approach and uh, the thing that has just resonated the way all the way in the preparation and co-production of that is the notion of well-being uh, be that personal uh, be that emotional mental uh, you know or familial or neighborhood or whole place um, mm. and that you know whole place whole person whole system with a, a, a model that is rooted in well-being is the one device at the centre. Rupert can probably talk to you a little bit more about how that thinking emerged. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree, Damien. The, I, mean, I mean, it appears to me that, you know, no matter how good our services are, whether it's health services, education services, other services, actually, most 
people spend most of their time you know in the community that's where they live that's where they work that's where they play that's where they they um, experience life and uh, unless we've got a sort of a community-centered approach uh, to this we're, we're never going to make um, significant progress so I suppose some of our early um, exploration of this in Doncaster was uh, a program which is now sort of uh, well Doncaster which based on a sort of asset-based approach to uh, thinking about um, community, community regeneration. So starting where people are, starting with what's strong, not what's wrong. You know, I work quite heavily with, uh, you know, people you all know, Andy, so Cormac Russell, mm -hmm. David Best, those sorts of people. Uh, and most importantly, working actually with communities and local people who, who are in this space. And uh, that's certainly been a key sort of part of our uh, journey. I think one of the things sort of Damien's hinting at is that sometimes um, uh, public servants uh, we get very hooked on one tool or one approach and then we see every you know ev every problem needing that approach so it's, it's a bit like a you know carpenter that's only got a saw every 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 problem you see needs a saw but actually you might need to get get your mallet out at some times and need other tools and I think that's what we're really keen to sort of um, see develop really is a whole sort of family of community mm -hmm. um, sort of led approaches so yes asset-based approaches and community development is important but you know we know through the recovery sort of communities you know the role of uh, peer-led interventions mentors volunteer health roles are important you know um, co-producing mm -hmm. things area-based initiatives right through to things like community hubs and that broader recovery uh, community Andy and that's what we really want to, to see I suppose is a sort of family of approaches that we can um, uh, use bring to bear with local people and I think one of the other challenges Damien is there's just the sheer size of Doncaster so you know Doncaster is you know geographically the largest you know metropolitan borough and one of the things that we've real well come to realize you know probably before COVID, but COVID laid bare, is that uh, a, a place the, the size of Doncaster, we really do need some locality ways of working. So we can't think of everybody the same in Doncaster. Uh, and you'll know that from your work here, Andy. Yeah, and I I, I think that's one of the, the key drivers. You know, when, uh, when Ros uh, was uh, re-elected, uh, she was very clear that, yes, she wanted to go long, in terms of the strategy because uh, although there are quick fixes actually uh, governments are bedeviled with those and often there's just as many uh, unintended consequences as intended ones so you need to go long but also need to go deep and local because that's where lives are lived and you know although it's incumbent on um, local authorities and people like me to say hey, well let's set a direction let's have some ambition let's lift the motivational status and inspire some hope after you know a major pandemic uh, in, that is necessary but not sufficient we've also got to uh, you know deeply engage uh, and build a level of agency and participation in each other's lives and work on behalf of and with uh, rather than to and and that comes back to the um, the asset-based community development but you know it's that whole the old adage about you know um 
you know, strategies don't change things. People do. Uh, unless we uh, create that propagative wave of commitment, engagement and relevance, because I think, you know, one of the key challenges for government at whatever level is it simply become irrelevant to the lives that are lived. And people feel that, you know, successive strategies and actions and uh, developments have washed over them without leaving any resonant and durable change. So, you know, for me, um, it is down to those minute by minute, moment by moment interactions and engagements and recognising, as I said earlier, they don't always go in a straight line. Um, it is our job also to frame them and to shape them and to give voice to them and to amplify them so that actually we can reinforce the progress because equally the flip side is you can't quite see the edge when you're right in it. Uh, mm. And I think certainly if we're taking this right back to uh, the personalised experience of somebody who's in recovery from addiction, you can't see a way out if you're not careful. It is, mm. uh, and in some ways, you, your addiction conspires uh, with all of the things that you tell yourself are the reasons for maintaining or indeed becoming a victim. And, and, and I think that brings me to the final point, which is we will not enliven the place unless we empower the people. Mm. And and that makes that makes absolute like set, I'm sitting here nodding away listening to you because I think um, I, some of the things that I learned I, I I remember coming from a place of you know um, I've got a problem what are you going to do about it uh, that was my relationship with key workers when I was looking to get some help and the most frustrating people were the ones that were trying to empower me because it was it was really frustrating it's like I've got a problem I I felt like I'd done my half of the bargain you know I have an addiction problem you are an addiction service I, I've done my bit. Um, now you fix me. But the, the, the great stuff that happened um, and listening to you both there. And I think like, like you were saying there, Rupert, some of the organic stuff that happens and that asset focus, um, as, as, as well as that level of connectivity that you're talking about there as, as well, Damien, and being part of and belonging again and empowering. Um, I could never I could never have had the life I've got today if people hadn't taken me on that journey with them to start with and say, Andy, you, you a, a, a bit like you're saying that the. Um, the process of addiction conspiring, it would have been that we would have created that cyclical process of I've got a problem. What are you going to do about it? You're not doing anything about it. Therefore, I've got a problem. And I would have just been coming back to your service for many years. And fortunately, met some great people along the way that did have that asset focus that were really invested in me being part of something um, and developing something that was about me, but also the wider as well. And I I totally underestimated the community element to all this. And it was beyond addiction. It was massively beyond addiction that just that sense of belonging, uh, that sense of, you know, living in an area, feeling connected to it. Um, and that sense of pride that came with that, that, that absolutely um, kind of informed my own process of, you know, I had pride where I lived, I had pride in me. I, you know, it all started to regenerate through that process um, to then be gifted really into getting into a profession where I'm in a position to help other people so it just keeps keeps snowballing really um, and a lot of that has been framed with that that asset focus as well which is uh, just absolutely absolutely phenomenal and I know there's a lot to come isn't there I mean we've we've talked particularly in the recovery sector that if you strip away the relationship that people have with substances and see it for just the activity that it is when you get to meet people and talk to them they will often talk to you about some of the contributing factors that they believe have led to a, a, a fertile enough place for maybe a dependency to form. And it is things like um, insecurity, the unknown bereavements. And, uh, you, you know, my alarm bells were going off as we were going through COVID, thinking how many people are going to be impacted by this. Not everyone's adaptation to difficulty will be substances, but nevertheless, 
that doesn't minimise the fact that you know we are talking about we're, we're talking about trauma for people really, and an experience that's probably going to need some time for sense making and meaning making. Um, whether that's businesses, families, communities, individuals, there's a whole kind of healing process that that, that we're in at the moment. And and I think um, that you know your connection with the place and the pride that emanates from it. I mean, you know, I strongly believe that all action is socially situated and socially embedded. That sense of belonging, that sense of origin and identity. You know, th- those are anchors for people. You know, it builds. And come back to the other key thing, as well as connections, that what you build out of those connections are relationships and, th- and they provide protect- protective characteristics as well as uh, mutual uh, aid in that regard. And, and, and as well as a qualitative enhancement to how people fulfill and flourish in life. And, and for me, that is fundamental. And, 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 and of course, you know, relationships are neutral, aren't they? They can be positive or they can be negative. Um, so, you know, uh, being clear about how how we provide opportunities for fulfilling relationships um, uh, that actually provide uh, local uh, ownership in a way that we haven't always always done. Uh, and I think, you know, we, we, we know um, in terms of that locality agenda that we're talking about, you know, Doncaster's, you know, instead of actually uh, conceiving the, the problem as just that, uh, sometimes a characteristic of the problem actually is also an opportunity. So Doncaster is a place of places. You know, mm. its scale is a problem, but its diversity is a massive opportunity. You know, both in providing that nuanced and slightly subtly different uh, identity that comes from if I'm from Thorn versus if I'm from Tickle. You know, there are there are different mem- membership characteristics you get of those communities. We also want to ensure that actually they don't they're not isolated or exclusive, and that actually. There is a, a you know, a, a nestedness, if you like, mm. at all levels. And, and sometimes that's where the breaches occur. And sometimes services don't help. And um, mm. so one of the key aims of the locality agenda uh, is to uh, push decision making and resources closest to the level of resolution where they can have most impact and effect. And that is down at the community level. Um, we've also got to badge that against. Yeah, but we've had. 10 years of austerity and underinvestment, and we don't get a lot of resources for place-based initiatives. But you know what, we could use those as the sort of first excuses, or we could say, let's make do with what we've got. And, Mm. you know, uh, Rupert and I have been exposed to um, a a great community uh, uh, sort of leader, uh, Greg Burr from uh, the States, from Pittsburgh, uh, who runs things called relearning days. And before Christmas, uh, we hosted, we hosted here in Doncaster, the Global Education Leaders Partnership, and we had a number of international experts, and Greg was working with us. And that that bit about, you know, start with where you're at, start with what you've got and make small bets, you know, and, and that wider community learning as a platform for other strengths in uh, building in the community was really quite powerful. So we're going to be, you know, we're also quite eclectic magpies. We'll nick anything that works well, <laughs> so long as it fits our yeah. local context and that brings me on to the other point around releasing the potentiality of the people in the place because the, you know uh, other places don't have a preserve of expertise or entrepreneurship or enterprise it's just as vibrant here and what we've got to do is to sort of provide the conditions where we bring it to the surface sometimes that requires a little bit of organization sometimes mm. it requires a little bit of incentivization and it certainly requires a degree of motivation uh, you know, and, and for that, it's got to be invitational in the way that, um, you know, you don't wait for the permission, but you create the opportunities where people can take advantage and be 
uh, be entrepreneurial. And, and we're not quite there in some parts of the borough. So some of the resourcing that we uh, were bringing forward is intended to provide some of that framework, if you like, to get people engaged uh, and to support the fabric uh, of the wider voluntary community uh, faith sector, who we depend upon so much for the support out there. Not to mention all those other unpaid others, including carers as well as parents. Uh, and we don't quite have an equity of view about the contribution they make because it's not seen. Um, mm. And I think, you know, there's there's something there that speaks also to one of the key um, key well-being goals in the well-being wheel. That's at the heart of the borough strategy, which is not just about being healthy, but also being compassionate. Um, and gosh, after the last two years, if you if you haven't honed your compassionate sort of skill, the problem is it can be very febrile and fickle uh, at times. And we've witnessed that as well when people are under stress. Um, mm. They look after their own and the home first. Mm. Um, so, you know, the other, if you like, can often be a target. So we do need to have, you know, a fair and inclusive place as well as a healthy and compassionate mm. one, a prosperous and connected one a safe and resilient one and a skilled and creative one and above all coming back to the big p planet a, a greener and cleaner one uh, you see what i've just done then i've rattled off the six well-being goals otherwise rupert would have ticked me off that's it that's done that's it do you know i i loved what you said there damien about starting from where you're at because it's been a mantra of mine you know ever since i was and this takes me back to when i first started working in the the um the addiction and recovery sector and uh, you know meeting lots of people that were on their own personal journeys and rather than paint them a picture about how great it's going to be in five years time, we started from where you were at. And the recognition of that and people feeling that they were seen and that there was a reality to their current circumstances, as well as having hope and ambition, was fantastic. And I just, I, yeah, listening to you there, it really did bring that back for me. Was, I, I remember being asked years ago, because you know, people used to say I was, I was quite a good um, key worker when I was working with people. And it's, I, there was no magic to it. There was no, it really was here I am, there you are, let's start from here and, and build from there. And whether that's an individual, or a family or a community or a business, it's like, yep, let's start from there and not not paint over all those those distressing feelings you might, might have right now with a wonderful picture of how it might be in 10 years' time. Um, yeah. Sorry, Rupert, I'm jumping in there. No, 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 Andy, I was just, just thinking aloud, really, as you were talking, you know, it really does, um, you know, redefine what our roles are as sort of public servants so you know we're not public fixers are we you know we, we shouldn't be people that have all the solutions and one of the things we've done quite a bit of is uh, learning how to listen uh, again so listening to others listen to ourselves and there's a few sort of techniques we've actually done with um, the buddhist center uh, actually yeah damien organized for us as a senior leadership to have time there and and run some of their sort of uh, sit in be part of some of their community circles and that uh, that um, it's quite freeing knowing that you're going to get an opportunity to speak and not having to think about what I'm going to say and when I'm going to butt in, but just listening. And uh, I think that's part of the, the job of being more compassionate as a place is to be better at listening um, to, to people as they're talking. Mm. Yeah. I'll, take, I'll take that as an action then. I'll get myself booked in. Uh, <laughs> I, I thought he was looking at me when he said that. Oh, no. yes. uh, but um, it, it, it was an incredibly powerful experience and um, I sort of likened it to playing a game of football, you know, where you're on the ball for about one and a half minutes, but you're running around. In other words, you're active listening, 
you know, is incredibly tiring. Actually, you've got to focus and listen deeply, and and uh, you know that skill set, but also um, you know the development of a, a much deeper connection with the uh, not just what the person was saying, but what it was they were feeling about what they were saying as well. And uh, and and I think you know uh, whether it's a meditative state that you're looking to get into as a way of managing stress and and, and dealing with. The traumas and travails of the day, uh, but but actually we tend to sort of have a view that that's not how we characterise working. It's not how we characterise. Um, I was going to say being a strong leader uh, because we tend not to be open about vulnerabilities. And uh, you know it brings me on to the sort of leadership dimension here. And um, great quote that somebody put out the other day of, about. Uh, Jacinda Arden and uh, how she challenged back the fact that she, you know her compassion and empathy didn't they they sharpened her leadership they defined her leadership they didn't they didn't weaken the strength of her leadership and I think it's a really important element and another perspective my ex-boss in fact Steve Mumby who uh, was the National College for School Leadership chief exec uh, and now an author uh, uh, posted a, a book which was called Imperfect Leadership you know, and, and I still keep referring to the very first characteristic that he talked about, which is turn up and face into the wind, you know, and, and, and that's what you need to be present as well. And that presence isn't about, um, you know, necessarily getting in the way or interfering, although you might ask Rupert outside the podcast whether I do that. But um, <laughs> but, but it's, it, 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 it's, it's walking along. It's a co-journey person. But it's a uh, you know that adapt you, you talked about adaptive tendencies. Leadership's no different, and the adaptive leadership that requires you to both dance on the dance floor and view from the balcony at the same time means that you can cope with that duality, and that's where some of the challenge comes. Rather than and occasionally you have to spend a lot more time on the dance floor uh, than you do on the balcony. But what you can't do is be distant, uh, and there's a lot of leadership that sort of perceives that because it's got a hierarchy or an organisation under mm. the, that that in some ways means that they've got to sit constantly uh waving from the balcony uh whereas that activity if you like on the dance floor requires you to understand and appreciate uh not just what's going on but how it's going on and who's doing it and that means you've got to be able to turn up and particularly at critical moments it feels to me uh as well and Gosh, we've been presented with quite a lot of those in the past uh, two years. In, in fact, I'm looking for the strategy that says absence leadership so that I. Uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> that might be happening in the other realms of public life. <laughs> and that, I, and again, I, I just think, sort of just sitting recording this podcast with you both, that really echoes the some of the things that I've heard other people talking about on podcasts where they're saying about, we're, we're using that example of, you know, dancing on the dance floor, viewing from the balcony, but. I've heard people describe their own recovery journeys like that, a learning process that they've gone through at a personal level, um, as well as a developmental or like you mentioned there about leadership. So um, what I suppose what I love about these conversations with you both is it's all so transferable because it's all so humanistic. It is about us as people, um, which is fantastic. And I think and whether you two are just like skilled professionals or not, but that, that, that podcasters, but that leads us brilliantly into that, that kind of final, um, I suppose, question for the podcast about the wisdom from the journeys and I know I know you both are spring chickens and will be around for many many years to come um but um I, I'm sure you've learned a lot on the on the way as well um so 
when I'm when I'm speaking to people at the end of the podcast, I usually kind of ask them if they've got any kind of nuggets that they've learned along the way or anything that they want to share just about um, themselves. And I think we probably have today already. But also on a more personal note as well is that how do you look after yourselves? Because I know, um, I suppose, from from working with teams in Doncaster and getting to know people, I can only imagine um, some of the stresses and strains, particularly over the last couple of years that you felt, but generally anyway. Um, and there is something about, you know, how we look after ourselves in that process. So um, very intrusively, I like to ask that question um, just as, as as sharing in case anybody listening to this right now goes, do you know what? I've never done that. I'm, I might try that. And hopefully we'll have an uptake um, but for some for some mindfulness and meditation and people going to Buddhist centers. And, you know, uh, but if, if there's anything else that, that you kind of default to or or for anyone listening that you'd like to share with, please do. I think one of the um, things that I uh, I did before the uh, pandemic, Andy, I used to do a sort of uh, weekly update, a sort of note from the director of public health to uh, some of the uh, uh, key uh, leadership. And uh, I, I stopped doing that um, initially in the, the pandemic and uh, but did sort of get back on it. And I've, I found that um, it's one of those tasks, I suppose, I would describe it as a bit of a discipline. So on a Monday morning, I'm sort of thinking about, well, what what do I say? What do I share? What have I what have I seen? But one of the uh, things I remember reflecting on was about how to sort of uh, reconnect. And uh, I think I, if I remember rightly, Damien, I talked about uh, uh, walking. So exercise, you know, providing sort of space for my brain to switch off uh, sleep. I know sleep's important for me. I'm uh, uh, if I get overtired, I know that's a, that's a bad thing for me. Uh, but also about sort of listening to other voices. Um, fortunately, I'm an introvert, so I do that by reading, not not doing lots of uh, talking, but getting other voices and other perspectives. And I've always found that really helpful. Uh, it's really easy, is it, I think, to get uh, locked into your own mm. challenge and the thing that's in front of you. And uh, yes, there is something about, uh, as Damien says, sort of turning up and uh, facing it. But you don't have to turn up and... and uh, every moment of every day and sometimes you do need that sort of uh, that space and you know certainly sort of you know reflection meditation journaling is also a good thing in that um, space but but I think I'd, I'd still say I'm still learning mm. so you know that it feels um, you know it feels just as uh, tiring exhausting now two years in than it did uh, uh, when we first started uh, I'm sure we've learned I've learned a lot but there's still much more for me to to learn, which is why the journey is really important and there's pe- and to have people that you're journeying with so, so this isn't rehearsed but uh, Rupert started his input by talking about uh, revisiting his uh, weekly uh, sort of update so I'm going to quote from his last paragraph from today's weekly update uh, to embarrass him um, finally it's the third Monday of January so today is Martin Luther King Day uh, given this year should be about recovery renewal and regeneration following the pandemic, but we know it will be interspersed with new challenges and setbacks. I thought an apt quote from the man himself is, we must accept finite disappointment, but never lose infinite hope. So uh, keep on doing that, Rupert, uh, because it's a hopeful week that you've exhorted us to. Uh, And I remember that conversation back in maybe April or May last year when we were reflecting on the three things and I think I talked about being outdoors in nature as well and 
and and and and seeing beauty in small things and a deeper appreciation um as well as going out running and um and i think um i've probably shifted because i've done less running uh i've probably got out less and some of that's maybe with regards to one not enough time and two other distractions and i i use that um in a positive way because those distractions you talked about um wisdom from the journey i'd talk about the wisdom of age really i've spent quite a lot of time dealing with uh, now my hundred year old aunt uh, which is it's not every day you get to read the queen's message out at a gathering and i've learned so much i've also been able to journal some of her uh, life's experience and i've also been accompanying my mother on a journey through dementia which has been really quite instructive uh, as well uh, but that brings me to the bit about the importance of family really and uh we've all spent more time some might say too much time uh with family and that brings with it other challenges elsewhere in society um but I, i'll finish uh because um i attended a session on friday around ethnicity and children's mental health uh, and and it, that session finished uh with an input from michelle beck who i think is commissioned uh, to provide uh, uh writing for wellness um and uh, she asked us to quickly write in a minute a response to three words. Um, so I think the final source for me in terms of it is writing uh, and poetry, but this was just prose. The first word was, well, there were three words, soon, now, and then. Um, and soon, soon I will know how I am to be and become, content with the inner voice guiding me, and protecting me now now the scales from my eyes fall and the mist clears and before me is a world of possibility emerging connected grounded and hopeful then then i felt the warm glow of yesterday's thoughts flow into shaped words wow i can, can I can I push you a little more then um, and ask another question? Because listening to you both then was was just phenomenal. It was, but it's something that that I see in both of you a lot is you have this empathy, you have this desire um, and this energy um, in 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 wanting to help others in this in, in 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 having an open mind as well about how the possibilities of this are. And I I see this in you, and not not just today, but I've seen this in you in in you both so much and I, is that organic is i mean am i being too you know to to, to sit and have a conversation with you t today is like is it too i don't know abrupt or, or or wrong really to say how do you do that how do you maintain an energy as beautiful as that because i in, in recovery terms i suppose we do talk a lot in, in services about empathy about about that connection with other but how we see other as well and what that can mean to us and a lot of people are sometimes traumatized by the idea of empathy because they will also get in touch with the impact that they've had on other and maybe how they're feeling and what that's been like for them. Um, but I've always witnessed that in you both. So in, in, in such bucket loads. And I, yeah, I, I suppose I don't want to reduce it down to some mechanistic. Um, and if you want to be really empathic and and have this hopeful and ambitious outlook as a as a personality. Um, then this is what you do um, or is it just how you both have always been in life? Oh that's a great question right at the end of the <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I, I mean I, 
I suppose I, I would say it's probably a bit of nature, a bit of nurture. So you pick up things, you're inspired by people uh, along the way. I mean, I always joke um, to my wife, I haven't told Damien this very much, but, uh, you know, I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. Uh, I think I'm still, you know, I, and I suppose, you know, I mean, I think Damien's like this as well. Damien's still sort of curious, you know, and you've got to be, I think you've got to be curious. Um, you've got to be courageous uh, and you've got to be compassionate, really. And, uh, you know, mostly, most most of us don't necessarily, I don't think we have a blueprint for how we're going to be. We're just in these situations and it's a combination of, you know, yes, some of it is that the, you know, the people that we are, but it's about the people around us and, uh, you know, and the people that have gone before us. So, you know, I mean, I'm great believing that sort of quote about building on the shoulders of giants. Um, most of us are, um, you know, just building on other people's uh, uh, legacies and uh, continue to try and do that. And, uh, you know, I'm suppose open to open to change, really, um, and feedback. Mm. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd go for those three C's and certainly this is uh, none of us are the finished article and uh, nor will we be. So I think abandoning some expectation that you're going to aspire to a particular version of yourself. Uh, and it comes back to that metaphor about it's better to travel, hopefully, than arrive disappointed, really. Um, and, and I do think, you know, um, the one thing I uh, have done is listen more. The one thing I need to do is listen more. Um, and, um, you know, I think being there, not to be a, a witness solely, but uh, to be somebody who can help. And, and, and I've used this about, it depends what your definition of reciprocity is. And I can remember the first occasion when I had to help somebody as a result of my own free will. Uh, even now, um, it was an old person who was struggling with their sh shopping. I must have been about five or six and they tripped over a paving stone and I watched everybody else watch whilst uh, shopping went all over the place. And I just found myself picking it up. And I, and I don't know, I don't, I don't think that's necessarily inspired me wholly, but the fact that I can still remember that. And, and it brings me back to that definition of reciprocity. I do because I can, mm. uh, not because I expect an immediate and direct reciprocal benefit, but should I find myself in a similar situation in the future, I would hope others would see the need and act appropriately, but there's no guarantee. And, mm. and for me, uh, that's motivation enough, I think. Um, and I think the other thing is I spend a lot of time talking to myself, um, you know, that inner voice and, and that considered life. Uh, and, and Rupert's point earlier about, gosh, there's so much to know and experience in the world. I better keep on doing it. Um, Yesterday I sat in the bath. Uh, it wasn't quite a eureka moment, but it was comparable. Uh, listening to a podcast uh, about quantum mechanics, which um, I'm surprised I'm still here because I might well have submerged. Uh, but, the, but, you know, when somebody connects quantum mechanics with ancient Sanskrit and then identifies the commonality of the idea of the stillness in stillness is that it's not still, at which point I thought it's time to get out of the bath. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and, and, and on that i think um and, and looking at the time uh, uh, thank you so much at this at this so much i mean i'm i'm sitting here recording it with you and i feel like i need to listen back to it already just to you know, there's just so much in there um so uh, 
just a massive thank you for you both joining us today um, from us. So thank you, Rupert. Thank you, uh, Damien. And um, just uh, just in case anyone's listening out there, and thanks for joining us again. You will have heard, um, you know, if if you if you kind of pay attention in there, the detail you'll hear us talking about things like like the Doncaster delivering together strategy and stuff. So. Uh, look, if you're interested, there is some stuff that, that both Rupert and, and Damien talked about there. You can you can go to the to the DMBC website, doncaster.gov.uk. You can go to teamdoncaster.org.uk. Loads of stuff on there if you're interested. If you're listening to this podcast and you're you're not from Doncaster, please take a look. But if you if you want to look in your own area, there's always the kind of access points on the websites where there'll be stuff happening out there. Um, so this it really is there's a frame of reference to a lot uh, of what Rupert and uh, um, and Damien were talking about today, so please do access those. Um, and again, you know, thanks everyone for joining us and listening again. It's great to kind of get into this second series and be into it. Um, and just left for me to say a massive thank you, Rupert and Damien, for taking time out today. Pleasure, thank you. Thanks, Andy, and thanks for doing the series. Indeed. Recovery Talks is a podcast by Changing Lives, hosted by Ian Donnelly, Summer Stringer and Andy Ryan, and produced by me, Bridget Hamilton. This is Season 2, and you can find all of our previous episodes on iTunes, Spotify or Anchor FM. To find out more about the work Changing Lives does, you can visit changing-lives.org.uk. Thank you.